A celebration of All Saints Sunday comes with its challenges for us. Episcopalians straddling the difference between Protestant and Catholic traditions have probably always had a little bit of trouble with this day. Um, it is a day that sort of confounds us as to how we're meant to absorb it and take it in. But celebrate it nonetheless, we still do. And today I think there's more that confounds us in the scripture we hear, the gospel text from Luke. In it, we hear a version of the Beatitudes, but it's not that soothing, familiar version that we probably have in our memory banks, the one we know from Matthew's gospel. The one we hear this morning from Luke does something bold and fresh with this teaching from Jesus. And as usual, trying to wrap our heads around it probably means we need to know something about the context that Luke places it in to understand what Jesus is getting at for us this morning. Jesus delivers these words of comfort and woe, this blueprint for holy living, in a sermon he preaches down on the plain, not on the mount. In Luke's telling of the story, Jesus has just come from spending some time on a mountaintop deep in prayer, alone and quiet, simply spending time with God. People of all sorts, though, have been following him, clamoring to meet him, wanting to see him. And they have come seeking his wisdom, to hear him preach, and to be healed. His sermon on the plain occurs for all those people who've gathered around him exactly where they are. Jesus comes down to their level to meet them exactly where they are in life and engages them precisely where they are most vulnerable. He offers blessings to all those who are challenged by poverty, hunger, grief, and prejudice. And he also gives a bit of a warning to those who smugly think that they're safe and secure from all these vicissitudes of life. And then he drops his final words, those adages of how one is meant to live life to be a holy one. In short, Jesus provides a recipe for us this morning for living, one that places God at the very center of our lives. You might say his teaching provides an instruction manual for all of us who seek to be saints, the holy ones. And at the heart of that teaching, is a need deep down for all of us to be vulnerable. Vulnerable with God and vulnerable with each other. It's very easy in our culture, I think, to avoid that. All too often, we strive to safeguard ourselves from our own vulnerabilities, to create for ourselves an illusion that we're not dependent on God. 
Jesus reminds us all of our vulnerability and what he has to say today. None of us, we're reminded, will escape hardships in life. None of us will escape the final call of death. When we can put aside our pride, stop striving to be self-sufficient unto ourselves, and truly place ourselves in God's care as vulnerable children of God, then God who meets us in these moments of trial and struggle does indeed offer us a path to wholeness. We assembled here as the saints of the present day, the church gathered as we are. At its best can be a place that reminds us that vulnerability is not something to shun or deny, and that God has promised to meet us precisely at our points of vulnerability, our points of need, and our individual points of brokenness. I think that is why when we stand to recite the Nicene Creed together, after we've testified to Jesus' divinity and humanity and Jesus' relationship to God, we go on to assert that for us and our salvation, he came down from heaven. And that is why Jesus in Luke's gospel comes down from the mountain to bless those who the world and circumstances have conspired to make feel like they are nothing and warn those who believe they are something apart from God. Saints, or the holy ones, come in all shapes and sizes, and more often than not, I think they bear a striking resemblance to folks like you and me. The uh, celebrated author, Madeline Lengel, in a book she wrote called A Stone for a Pillow, tells the wonderful story about living life as a saint, or as she would have it, what saints get to do in heaven. She tells this story. There is a story of a good man who dies and goes to heaven, and who is welcomed at the pearly gates, which are thrown open for him to enter. He goes through them in a blaze of bliss, because it is everything he's been taught. Golden streets, milk and honey, golden harps, alabaster thrones. He wanders the streets lost in happiness, until after a while he realizes that he is all alone. He hasn't seen anybody at all. He walks and walks and he sees nobody. So he retraces his steps and goes back to the gates and he finds Peter and he asks, Peter, yes, my son, Peter says, this really is heaven? Oh, yes, my son, don't you like it? Oh, it's just wonderful, he tells him, but where is everybody? Where are the prophets? Where is the holy family? Where are the saints? Peter just looked at him kindly and said, Oh, them? 
They're all down in hell, ministering to the damned. If you'd like to join them, I'll show you the way. Perhaps that's what saints are meant to be all about, even in death, in their heavenly places, working to save others. We needn't wait for heaven to do the work. Robert Louis Stevenson once said that the saints are the sinners who keep on going. On this All Saints Sunday, let us be mindful of the calling you and I share together with those who have gone before us and those who are still here with us. To seek life as vulnerable yet active holy ones. To live life generously, empowered by God to seek and serve those who the world too often forgets, and to do so with acts of kindness, compassion, and love. Perhaps then we'll better understand what it is to be one of the saints of God. And perhaps then we too can let into our hearts the all-encompassing love of God. Amen.